Tzoraim Tov, everyone. We can we begin a new series for our afternoons, and this is a series which we're calling "Understanding the Sefiros," and it's based on a sefer that is called Daas Hasfiros. Uh, a little bit about this sefer is uh, that there's a, a big tzaddik who lives in Yerushalayim. His name is Reb Ruvain Schlossberg. And he is uh, the Rosh Kolel of the Kolel called Zichron Rabbi Aaron Leib in Ramat Shlomo in Yerushalayim. And he um, is a spiritual mentor to many uh, people. And over the process of many years has been teaching uh, these topics of what is called Chachmas uh, HaEmes, the true wisdom, uh, which we might call Kabbalah, so to speak, and uh, focuses on a lot of concepts that are within this Pneumius uh, HaTorah, the inner concepts of Torah. So <coughs> he's recently published this, uh, so he didn't publish it, his students published it based on his teachings and uh, the goal is to go through the entire Sefer like we've done on other Svarm. Now, you're going to see why I've chosen this. And for day one, so just to get a, a handle on what to expect. So this Sefer is divided up into a number of essays and has 24 essays in about uh, 300 odd pages or so. So each essay is about 10, 12 pages and uh, they're all on the really the um, fundamentals if I have to use an English term which is always bad but the fundamentals of Kabbalah now Kabbalah has all these uh, connotations esoteric this and that and probably the best way before we're really going to get into any of the essays is there's three types, three brief introductions to the Sefer. So therefore, I'm going to uh, learn those introductions. I'm not going to read word by word. I'll just give the translation running commentary. But the name of the Sefer is called Da'as Hasviros, which is the understanding of the Sviros. Sharei Chochmas HaEmes. Gateways into the true wisdom. And they're based on the essays that this Rosh, Rosh Kolo gave. So for today, if we were able to get in, we're going to start with the very brief introduction that the Rosh Kolo himself put in, so to speak, as an approbation for the work that his students put together. So there's no real name that we attach to the author, per se, as we'll see. It's just a, a collection whatever, of the students doing this. And that's something that's happening a lot lately. A lot of great tzaddikim are teaching great Torah. They don't have time to sit down and write a sefer. They're busy teaching. So they have their students who have who um, understand the teachings. They want to give it over. So we'll start with the, the very brief introduction from Rev Schlossberg himself. And the word we're going to be talking a lot about is spheros. Sviros, again, does not translate so well into English. Um, so we'll just leave it to the way uh, they're going to explain it. And from now on, we'll just call it Sviros. Um, 
probably the easiest translation is spheros do not describe who God is, but rather what God does. And when we talk about the characteristics of God, we don't mean the characteristics of God the way we would say you're in my characteristics, but the characteristics of God vis-a-vis -vis his relationship with us and what Hashem shows of his behavior towards us. And that's about the best translation you're going to get of Sphira. Sphira comes from the word number, Lisbord account. And we'll see there's 10 spheros. And it also comes with the word to illuminate. So it illuminates our understanding of Hashem in this world. Now, and we'll just, we'll just read. The more we hear what the authors say, it will come out this idea. And what we want to accomplish in this introductory stage is what's the value of studying this? That's what's really important. Why should we bother studying this where it is not necessarily an easy study? So the so Rabbi Schlossberg himself, who's the one who gave the classes, now he's not coming up with these of his own. He's sharing the wealth of information that existed before him, as we will see. So he begins, and I'm just going to paraphrase as I'm looking in the Sefer and explaining to you what he says, because a lot of people have trouble reading Hebrew, especially without dots, and it's more uh, Talmudic type of Hebrew. It's not, so it's it's easier. And then whatever I want to, when I want to add something, or if you have questions, it's it's helpful. Although the introductions, it's merely introductions, so it's hard to understand where he's driving at. As you see, they're going to keep referencing, as we'll say in chapter 2, as we'll say in chapter 3, etc., etc. So this has to be something that will we'll try to uh, pique your interest in wanting to continue. Normally, I would just start from the beginning, but I think you have to have an overall understanding. What are you going to get out of this safer? So the author says like this, he says, the holy spheros, which is the primary revelation of God in this world, they take a shape that we get a little bit of a little bit of understanding Hashem and to recognize him through his actions and how he interacts with this world. And we need to know this so that we can understand a lot of things on a much deeper level. And he gives a few examples. If you want to understand the purpose of the holidays that we have, you have to have an understanding of the spheros. Because he says, the whole holiday of Pesach, it's not just a question of ritual. We all know ritual. The question is, what's behind that? And what do we accomplish with this? So Pesach corresponds to Abraham, who has the Mida, the attribute, which is also one of the spheros of Chesed, of kindness. So one of the ten spheros is kindness. So you have to understand what that is in terms of God's behavior towards mankind when God acts, so to speak, in a kind fashion. And we can't use the terms that we understand what kindness is. English distorts all reality. But we're not talking about kindness, we're talking about chesed. Chesed has, it's a Hebrew word with God's understanding. So on Pesach, if we don't understand the way that God um, displays the characteristic of chesed, we will not understand the holiday of Pesach. Same thing for Shavuos, which parallels Yitzchak, which is the Sphira, the Mita of Kavura, of control. And the same thing with Sukkot that parallels Yaakov, which is the Mita of Tiferes, which is glory, or we can call mercy. 
which will all be explained in the third essay. So if you don't really understand the spheros, you really won't understand the in-depth purpose of the holidays. It's not just eating matzah and singing dayenu and being thankful we were taken out of Egypt. You have to have a real understanding of the sphera of chesed. What does it mean that God's behavior is with chesed? That's the core of the holiday of Pesach. You don't understand that sphera. You could not know a lot of nice bits of information about sphera, uh, about Pesach, but you're not really getting the core of that. Another issue, prayer. The whole shape of prayer, the order of prayer, the way it's built, there's a structure to prayer. It's not just turning 120 pages on a weekday and 240 pages on Shabbos and 800 pages on Yom Kippur. It's a question of a structure. There's a structure to prayer, which depends a lot on knowledge of the spheros. And the third and probably the most important thing is a person can only know his own soul if he understands the spheros. And therefore, a person must understand the spheros because that really shapes the individual's uh, deeper conscious reality. Because we know that a human being, as we'll see shortly, is a model of the Almighty Himself. So our whole shape and nature reflects God. And therefore, if we don't understand what God is to what our, we, we, can't, we don't understand who we are. This explains a very famous statement that was said right after the sin of the golden calf where Moshe asked Hashem, I want to see you. So what does it mean Moshe wants to know? Hashem said, you can't see me and live. What did Moshe really want to understand? Moshe wanted to understand, I really want to understand, now that man has sinned so terribly, obviously mankind has fallen into a terrible corruption of what he was meant to be. And now I need to know mankind from a deeper understanding, and the only way I can know that is you tell me a little bit about you. Not the essential God, but the God that um, relates to mankind and how God manifests himself in his relationship to mankind because the only way man, man is in the image of God. If you don't understand God, you won't understand who you are. And that's probably the most important thing. Everyone goes to psychologists and psychiatrists and how to understand. But if you first don't know what... um, energy that's inside of you that's meant to be harnessed then you don't even know who you are then how are you supposed to know what you're supposed to be and that is the the really most important uh, point yes it's important to understand the holidays it's important when you're praying to know what direction you're going through this but most of words to know who you are and uh, he's going to quote and many times we're, he's, this name was going to be quoted so you might as well clear the air right away. There was a great rabbi whose name was Yitzchak Isaac, last name Chaver. Yitzchak Isaac Chaver, who was a second generation student of the Vilna Gaon. Now, of course, people mistakenly think that since the Vilna Gaon was was against Hasidus, they figured he has nothing to do with Kabbalah which is the furthest thing from the truth because the Vilna Gon was knew everything in Torah, revealed and mystical and hidden and everything. And he had students as such. 
And uh, therefore, this, uh, while the Vilna Gon lived in the 18th century, his this uh, second generation who lived in the uh, end and of the 18th century and half of the 19th century, and he lived in Belarus and in Poland. So a lot of the teachings um, of uh, Kabbalah and Hasidus, so to speak, come from Rabbi Yitzhak Isaac Chavir, and he's going to be quoted often in the Sefer. So he starts with his first quote, and he says, the Pasuk says, God says, let us create man. The English is terrible translation. In our image, in our form. So what does that mean when God says, let us create man in our image and in our form? What the, what the heck that's supposed to mean? So you have to understand there's two words in Hebrew. One is tzalem, which even in modern Hebrew means a picture. Litzaleh means to take a picture. So man is the tzalem elokim, the picture of man, and the demus, the shape, the form. So what does that really mean? So the word, so this is what Rabbi Yitzchak Isaac, many Kabbalists say this. Demus, the word demus means the external shape of the person. One head, two arms, two legs, reproductive organs, torso. That is the physical. That physical body and what you can do physically is what we call the cella. Okay. Or, or rather, um, uh, or well, see, there's even a difference in, in, in opinions which one's Selim and which one's Dmus. <laughs> uh, and over here, he's quoting Rav Chavar is saying that Dmus is the external shape of the person. There's others who say the opposite. It doesn't really matter what name is with which, because both ideas, everyone agrees to the two ideas. Okay. And he says, Tselem really refers to the feelings, the spiritual feelings, the spiritual energy of the person. So if a person really wants to know who he is, uh, he really has to understand what, it, it, where we are the created, the created in the image of the creator. So if we understand ourselves, we'll understand the creator. And this resolves a contradiction between uh, two phrases in Proverbs. One says, the honor of kings is something that has to be hidden. You can't know it, which is referring to God's honor. You're never going to know God's honor. But then right away it also says, and the honor of kings is something to investigate. So what is it? Is it hidden or do you investigate? So the answer is, Whatever relates to recognizing God, quote-unquote, himself, you don't, don't investigate it. You're never going to. You're going to go crazy. You're trying to understand the infinite, you go crazy. But the honor of the king that has to do with how he runs the world and how he reveals himself to his creatures and how he reveals his kingdom that way, we have an obligation to investigate it because that part is the part that Hashem wants us to learn from that. Again, I give the famous Marshall time and time again, but it's the best one I've heard. You know, Albert Einstein was a genius. Okay, now when he, if he, if he had a little two-year-old grandchild, he would not start rattling off equations. 
he would, you know, be playing with him, you know, like on his hands and knees. And the, uh, the child would think, oh, that's Einstein. He plays like a doggy. Now, that's, o- that's the only thing that Einstein can reveal to the little baby because he won't understand it anymore. But that's not Einstein. So now imagine Einstein is a finite being. God's an infinite being. So when he relates to us, the distance between Einstein and his grandson is much closer than God and us. So therefore, God can't reveal what he really is because that's the influence beyond what human being can understand. But he, he plays with us. He guides us. He mentors us. He's very much involved with us. And, and he responds to us. And he, he does things with us that impact us. And how we, that is it we're obliged to understand. So what qualities does God display vis-a-vis man so that man should know to emulate God? And that's all called the spheros, which there are 10 of that. And therefore, it continues as it's clear that this kind of, this is an area of Torah. There's a lot of areas of Torah. There's the written Torah that's, uh, that we see in the Chumash. We have the oral law that explains these ideas. But this idea is referred to as Torah's Hasod, the Torah, the secret Torah. That's what it's called. It's called secret. Why is it called secrets? Because that as much as a person will understand these deeper ideas, he has to know that they're deeper than what he can really understand. You can understand some of the depths, you know, like, like a marshal. How far down can a scuba diver go into the ocean? Now, when you look at the ocean on the top, what do you just see? Water. If it's under the sun and you're in the Bahamas, it's blue water. If you're in Miami, it's kind of gray water. And you ask the person, what do you see? You see water. Okay, you go down and swim a little bit, you may see a few fish. Oh, I didn't know that the water has fish. You go a little bit deeper, then you can notice that there are different kinds of fish and different kinds of coral reefs. You go deeper, like Jacques Cousteau, who was the first one who really took it to another level, you really see all kinds of fish you never will see at all in the world. But you only can go so deep. Okay, now with technology, we can even get to the bottom of the ocean. But so look at this type of teaching as what's beneath the water. So obviously, you know, when you go by yourself without any oxygen tubing behind you to go down, you can only go so far, then your head starts to explode. And you can see certain things, but you got to realize, but you can't get to the bottom. So whatever we're going to learn, it's, 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 it's very deep, but it's called the secrets of the Torah because there's no end to what the secrets are. Because God is infinite. So a secret is something that not everybody knows. And if, you don't, if you're not aware of this type of Torah, you're missing out on all the secrets of what's there. It's a secret that can be shared, but it's limited to the mind that you have as much as you can take in. So if you're someone like the Arizal or Shimbar Yechai, you can know a lot more secrets, things that are beyond human comprehension even. But there's always going to be a limit. That's why we call it the the soul, the secrets. 
And then he quotes Reb Hakoin, one of the great Hasidic masters, and he says, you know, the main secrets in the words of the Torah, the main sodos in the words of the Torah is what you really can't reveal to everybody, but only to what the person's heart is able to understand. And whereas there's a limit as to what you can understand, but every amount you get really helps a lot. Okay? And, and therefore, he concludes that in all the works of Rabbi Yitzhak Isaac Chavar, and specifically his work called Pischei Sharim, you could see very well how he goes through, he painstakingly tries to explain lofty concepts like the spheros and man's service to God and try to explain it in ways that we could use it in our service of Hashem based on what we're able to understand. And that's the idea. There, <clears throat> there are many terms that are beyond, we read these things, you don't know what they're talking about. You need people who are experts who can bring it down to our level. So like the real Kabbalists, if we'd sit in on a class, we wouldn't know a word they're saying. You go to real old Kabbalistic works, you don't have any idea what they're talking about. And then, as we'll see, God allowed, as we're coming closer to Mashiach, that we have an opportunity to get a little bit of insight where our little small brains are able to understand. But that little is a lot. And you cannot compare a Jew who serves Hashem without this knowledge then to a person who serves Hashem with this knowledge. And that is, is at the end of his little introduction. So that's from the rabbi who gave the classes. Now we have what's called a mavo, which is also like we'll call it a foreword that was written by the students of the Rebbe, and they're called the Hevre Hamareches, the, the Hevra of people who edited uh, the, the wordings of the Rebbe. And they discuss how they merited to go to his classes, and they felt it wouldn't be right that they should benefit so much from what he's teaching them and from them not to share it with others in a way that's user-friendly. Remember, this form are written in Israel, and the, the language that they all know is Hebrew. Maybe one day it'll be translated into English. I don't know, but it's going to take a while. Uh, all I know is that this particular saver is already sold out, and you cannot get it, a copy of it easily. <laughs> you know, So it takes took a lot of time for me to get it, and you wouldn't be aware of this information. That's what we're just... So I'm just another piece of sharing the information with you. Okay, and uh, and they discuss the first thing. They say, when we talk about this great virtue of understanding this Chochmah Sa'emes, this true Chochmah, he says, when a person tries to get closer to this holy works, but he only looks at it from the outside looking in, it appears that it's, some, it's like eating a steak without any taste. Imagine, eat a, eat a piece of meat with no seasoning and no salting and no nothing. He says, and people are going to say that I don't understand why I'm learning this. But if you really understand the terms, you understand the concepts that are over there, you'll understand how you'll be growing in your service Hashem and how your soul will illuminate within yourself. So again, if you're an outsider looking in without any education about the terms and the understandings, you're going to say, I don't understand what this does for my Yiddish guy. But if you're given an explanation, what, what do these terms really mean? And what's the basis of these terms? Then when you read this, you're going to say, wow, 
this really makes my Yiddishkeit more, more tasty. That's what it's really all about, as, they, as they're going to say. And of course, one of the great scholars, student of the Arizal, was Reb Chaim Vital, circa 15th, 16th century. And he writes, he's going to quote what he writes in one of his letters. He says, quote, a person who learns that, and another word that we're going to use is called Pnimius Torah, which means the inner Torah. These are synonymous terms. Chachmas Emes, true Torah, inner Torah, Kabbalah. Well, that's a bad term, Kabbalah. But uh, you learn this inner Torah without any understanding. He says it's like food without salt. But if you learn it with a great understanding, you'll find great depths and great wisdom uh, that's infinite. And it will excite your heart with love for the divine presence and a yearning for the ways of Hashem and to act righteously with your creator and to want to give Hashem a lot of nachas. And therefore, he, he, they, they give their gratitude to their Rebbe who taught them all this. And he says, and they say, the truth is this wisdom uh, contains, is buried the key to understanding the real connection to Emunah with Hashem Yisbarah and all the details of service to Hashem. And they give three points over here. There are three fundamental reasons to learn this. So the Rebbe explained before, and he said, you can't understand the holidays without this. You can't understand yourself without this kind of sense davening so they expand on these ideas a lot more so they quote a pasuk that's in deuteronomy it says you shall know today god commands us through motion you shall know today and bring it into your heart that hashem is the lord in the heavens above and the earth below and there is nothing but god so the two things are said. You need to know this. There's knowledge. And then there's bringing it into the heart. So what does that mean? And this is, this is a commandment. Hashem said that you have to really know that Hashem's the only reality. But not just to know. You have to bring it into your heart. And that doesn't mean just emunah. It doesn't mean faith. Faith, you have many people have faith in things. They don't understand what they're believing. But here you have to not just have faith, but it has to be something that sits on your heart. Something that, this makes sense. This is natural and normal for me. It's something I, I feel and I, and I can live with this idea. So we need two things. We need to know that Hashem is the only existence. He's the one that supervises and directs everything, whether it's in the higher worlds or in the lower worlds. And after there's no one else who can do this. And you have to know this with a, a with a true understanding of the unity of God, okay? And therefore, it has to be known just like if I'd asked you, what do you know about air? Well, you can go into a textbook and say, well, it's, it's an element called oxygen. And whatever you can start talking about the, um, what do you call it, the... Um, what do you call it, the atomic number that oxygen has. And you can explain what oxygen is. Now, assuming that you're in a, in a bubble, you still don't know what it is. Now, go out and start breathing. You know what it is. Now, do you believe that oxygen exists? Or do you know that oxygen exists? 
You know oxygen exists. Okay, here's the question. Do you believe that God exists? Or do you know that God exists? That's the question. And that's what the Torah is saying. It's not enough to know that God exists. You have to believe that God exists. As they say, the famous story with, uh, I believe it was with Rav Levi Yitzchak of Berdichev. I could be wrong, but I think this is the one. So Rav Levi Yitzchak of Berdichev originally was not a chassid. And when he got married to his wife, his father-in-law assumed, this is in the early days of Hasidus, when it was not so well accepted. So he was a great Talmudic scholar, and his father-in-law wanted his daughter to marry a Talmudic scholar, which he was. But then he started going to Hasidic courts, and he started to be influenced by them. So he, he that much to the chagrin of his father-in-law. So one time he said, I have to go to this Reb, to this Rebbe, I forgot which one it was, and he goes there for a number of months, he comes back. So the Fran says, no, so what did you learn? All at once. He says, I know that God exists. I learned, I learned that God exists. He says, that? You spent three months to learn that? He calls the Jewish um, maid. Uh, Hannah, come here who's not very intelligent, scholarly-wise, says, tell me, uh, is there a God in this world? Yes. Does he exist? Yes. Thank you very much. What did you learn? <laughs> he said, she says God exists. I know God exists. It's a big difference. A lot of us say that God exists. We say we believe that God exists. But did you know that God exists? And that's the difference. The Torah is telling us it's not enough to know that there's a God. You have to bring it into your reality. You have to know that God exists and he's as true as you know you got five fingers in front of your face. Now, the truth of the matter is many Jews may say, may say they believe in God, but when it push comes to shove, they don't. Yes, Shlomo, thank you for interrupting so, me. I'm happy. So, no, I... I'm still not clear with believe and to know, but this is what I understand. Uh, Again, when you, yeah, go ahead. Let, let, when we say believe means you're not sure. You, I believe this is going to happen. I believe there is 90%, but you know, you know for sure which is 100%. Like you cannot, you cannot, you cannot prove God with five senses, but you know he's there. So believe, I mean, it's like a percentage you're putting. So I know, uh, I, I feel it is no, to no, no. believe than to, to know than to believe. No, we Thank are you. commanded to know that Hashem exists beyond the word belief. Belief is an English word that's been messing up our Judaism for a long time. The Muna, we say is belief. That's, that's not really what the word means. Okay. Really what it means is we're here to verify God's existence. There is, we, we, it's not a question, does he exist or not? We know he exists. How do we know he exists? He was there when he gave us the Torah. And our great-great-grandparents came in contact with God. It's not like Christianity where nobody came in contact with anybody. And we have to believe that Jesus was the son of God. But there's no proof to it at all. Yiddishkeit, there's a proof. But we live in that reality. That's what's to, to know that there's a God and to live in that reality. So how are you going to do that? You have to have a lot of knowledge. 
without a lot of knowledge, you're not able to do that. Okay? And therefore, again, um, in quoting, um, he, he says uh, that you have to know with a way with real wisdom that everything that's in the world is there to reveal the conduct of God. And everything is good, everything is in a state of repair, not just belief, but knowledge intellectually that everything is amazing and everything is good. And that cannot happen unless you are well acquainted with this chachmas ha'emes, this true wisdom, because it reveals the real truth of this supervision. And it shows us on every possible way that a person can think that it shows us all how everything relates back to God. This is only something you can get if you engage in this deeper study. If you don't engage, it's like a person wanting to say statements based on science without ever taking a biology course, without taking a chemistry course. And unfortunately in this world, people quote science and nobody knows any science. And anyway, we have to stop it here. It's two o'clock. So Mirza Shem will continue.